0: Hi, we're sisters Amy and Nancy Harrington, the founders of the Passionistas Project podcast, where we give women a platform to tell their own unfiltered stories. On every episode, we discuss the ways in which each woman is following her passions, talk about how she defines success, and explore her path to breaking down the barriers that women too often face. Today, we're talking with Jen Dallas, the founder of Jen Dallas, Inc., about the power of design. Jen melds sophistication and history in creating the design of each house project. Well versed in many periods and styles, she has a true appreciation for the old meets the new. She strives to add character throughout her well chosen design details. In addition to site visits and client meetings, her studio has its own line of textiles and matching ceramic tiles. She also recently launched her own collection of lighting and is working on her own line of rugs and furniture, debuting in 2024. So please welcome Jen Dallas. Hi, Jen, thanks so much for being here today. We're really excited to uh, talk to you. Uh, Like we said before we started, I'm a design junkie, so I'm (laughs) delighted to hear everything you have to say. Um, What are you most passionate about, Jen?
1: Um, I'm most passionate about building homes for people that bring out the best life for them, for themselves. It's such a gift to be able to be part of that process for people. And I take it very seriously, but I also just have joy in it.
2: So how do you do that? How do you tap into what someone really needs and wants and transform that?
1: I'm a good interviewer. I'm a good question person. I ask a lot of questions and I'm really, I observe, you know, when those, that first interview, when I meet someone that's possibly going to hire me, I look at their homes now. I I look I meet their family. I see their job or where, you know, how they live now and I take all that information and then it allows me to really have a platform to ask a lot of good questions. Like what works well for them now in their home or what could work better. Usually when people hire me there's some kind of transition going on, whether it's a life change, you know, life cycle change. Maybe it's an empty nester, maybe it's a new baby, um, maybe it's a divorce. Maybe, I mean, there's lots of different life changes, right? Um, and so it's always really fun to you know, help them figure out what's gonna make their life better. And the environment's so huge in giving better quality of life.
0: So let's take a step back. Tell us where you were born, what your childhood was like. Were you a artsy-craftsy kid? How did you get interested in this?
1: I grew up in Chicago and um my dad's an art was art teacher and um, my mom was always very encouraging of me in my art and I was always an art kid. Like I was always in the back of the classroom throwing pots after school or drawing or painting or I yeah, just grew up that way. Oh and then I just have always loved houses, you know, old houses. How did your dad's
2: work as an artist impact you directly?
1: You know, he, he he just was, growing up, I, we always had like creative things. I mean, I was a child of the 70s. So, you know, we just had these huge paintings. And whether he did them, his friends did them, they would trade paintings back and forth or art installations. So I was always around all this creativity. Dinner parties for my parents, um, you know, just different creative types. I was around that my whole life. In fact, I love that I was a child of the 70s because I felt like it really gave a lot to me during that time in history. And um, the books he would read and share or the books he would encourage me to read, um, always giving me art supplies. You know, To this day, I'm a total art supply junkie.
2: <laughs> Our dad was a graphic designer and we always had, he always let us use his like really nice markers and paper and so we, we're the same way. If you get me near a set of colored markers, I'm like a crazy woman. I could
0: spend a day walking around an art supply store and just looking at everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My like dad you, used to have the pa- the whole sets of Pantone markers that oh, had like yeah. the you know the tiered
1: yeah. steps of all the colors. Oh, oh. Yeah, <laughs> and like you, my my Nancy, your back wall that that you're on. My parent, my dad always had bright color walls and giant paintings on them. So, you know, again, your environments encourage you, right?
0: So how how did that, how did those childhood experiences help you see that design was a component of a loving home and a comforting place to be?
1: I think it always added just to my inspiration as a person. You know, just like seeing pretty things or seeing different things and adding to my curiosity as a kid, um, which I love because as a child growing up in that kind of environment and then encouraging that kind of thought, you know, you have that seven year, you know, I'm a parent. So that seven first seven years is so vital in encouraging kids to see that way, to, to view the world that way. And my parents did a good job with that.
2: And are you passing that along to your children as well?
1: Yeah, my son, um, very much so, yeah. So it's really fun to watch him. And, and he's curious about the world, and he loves photography, and he loves to paint, and he loves to see pretty things. And um, yeah, and he, he appreciates pretty things.
0: So when did you decide to make design a
1: career? I think I was about nine years old. And my mom, I've told this story a few times, but my mom always would hear me moving furniture around in the middle of the night. And she'd say, Jennifer, what are you doing? Like, you know, and I'm like, I just didn't want my dresser on this wall anymore. Like it needed to be over there. So I was always really sensitive about spatial things, even as a kid, you know, and um, and I always loved the fresh energy, and now I know it's the energy, right? Like when you move things around in your home, or you clean, or you organize, how much better it feels, you know? So I think I'm that kind of junkie when it comes to like moving things around. I'm still do that. My son laughs at me, because I'm always moving, rearranging. So did, where
2: did you study? Did you study at university, or?
1: I studied at, um, it's called Amore College of Design. It's part of Belmont University in Nashville, Tennessee. So I moved from Chicago down to Nashville, and I um, got a bachelor's degree and a minor in graphics, which I've always been fond of.
0: And then what did you do after graduation? What was your first job? I moved back to
1: Chicago, and I worked for the Gettys Group, which is a hospitality firm. So we did hotels. um, And then, of course, under the umbrella of hotels, we did spas and restaurants. And that was my thing during college. I wanted to be... A restaurant hotel designer. So I just went for it. Mm -hmm. And I did that for about almost four years before I moved to LA. It seems like there's a lot of freedom in
0: restaurant and hotel design. Like you get to be super creative, things
1: that you wouldn't necessarily put in someone's home. Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) And I liked because when I look back in uh, just in, in terms of all the jobs that I've had or the opportunities I've had how it's, always, it's they've all led up to me being where I am now. And you don't see it in the moments, right? You don't see it during the time. You're just kind of putting your first, you know, your foot in front of the other in the next few steps, right? But it's cool because now doing the residential job that I do now in LA, it's all about having that kind of hospitality hotel experience, that luxury, that, you know, relaxation you want in your home. So it's really cool to have, that experience
2: behind me too. Yeah, looking at your website, you can tell that that's a part of what you do is give people that just that peacefulness, but that luxury. And your work is beautiful. We'll, we'll put a link in the on, you know, in all of this so that people can check out your work. It's spectacular. Um, so, what, what was the decision? Why did you decide to move to LA?
1: Um, my husband, uh, was an editor, a film editor, he wanted to do more commercial work. And I just always wanted to move to California, you know, being in the middle of the country. I just wanted, I desired the ocean. I desired a coast. So we moved out here. And, um, I had actually, when I lived in when I was in Chicago, before we moved out here, I was, I was actually sending emails and I didn't know it at the time, but I was sending emails to this, um, this headhunter And they never responded to me. And I sent to a few of them, but this one, I never, they never responded to me, but they were literally, I found out later, they were pulling my emails into a folder on their desktop because they didn't have the right job for me. And I wasn't in this LA yet. So they were doing that. And, um, and then when I moved here, I reached out to them and I said, I'm here, I'm in LA, you know, can we meet up? And just always had the hope that I knew something was going to happen.
0: And so then when did you decide to strike out on
1: your own and start your own company i've been on my own for about 15 years mm-hmm. i worked when i first moved here I was hired by uh, a designer named chris barrett who um, had just gotten the jobs in the Sandy Cedar ranch in santa barbara which is a beautiful hotel from the 50s right and they're all individual homes so they needed a residential designer because they were all individual homes and that was her—that's her that's her forte is res- hiring residential. But she needed a hotel designer to help her on that job. So she hired me for two weeks um, just to help her get through the job, but she never let me go. <laughs> like we were doing this two week temp thing and then I ended up working for her for about uh, so six years until I had my son. And then I used my son as an, you know, I wanted to have my own schedule and I wanted to do my own thing with him. And um, so I went on my own.
0: The longest two weeks in history, huh? <laughs> <laughs>
1: She's still a friend. Yeah.
2: So describe your personal design style.
1: My personal design style is very clean and edited. Um, I love space around things. I think things show and are more beautiful with space around things. Although I completely appreciate collections, and um, but I think in my my aesthetic, I can enable, I can help people keep things clean and organized just in the way it's it's designed. I like to have a place for everything, um, but I also like to be able to look at things, and you can only do that when you have space around things. Um, and i also my my love again is really reaching into the hearts of my clients and finding out what's important to them i like a home to feel like it's theirs you know and they use me as a tool that way to enable them to do so but i think it's really i feel it's greatest compliment when it's beautiful and it's done and they're so happy and they feel so at home in their home um and that's my love like I love digging and asking good questions and finding out how I can create that for them so yeah that's maybe not the aesthetic part of my design but it's a big key as part of my design so
0: talk about that you you get hired you meet the client and you really dig into what they're all about so what's the process how do you work with them from
1: start to finish so I'm also, so I, I, I meet them, I just find out more about them, what's their values, like what do they value, what do they love, what do they, um, what do they desire to work better for them, you know, how work, how does their house work well for them now, how would they love their new, whether we're renovating or we're building some, a new home for them, how would that help them, and how would it um, add to their quality of life. And um, and again, I, I shared, you know, usually there's some kind of new life stage that they're going through when they hire someone like me and just finding out whether it's a new baby um, or just getting married or um, and just asking some good questions about that. And then it's also very observant just in how they live, where they are living, whether it's their current house or their temporary house whether they're waiting to get into their new house or and um, just being observant too, I think. So you also have
2: your own line of lifestyle products um i would imagine that plays into your original graphic design you know your design background as well so what inspired you to start that collection how did that all come together
1: so one of my desires from a, when i was young was just to have my own products i would make envelopes out of gift wrap and i would make you know i was kind of crafty kid um so I would make different things so I've always liked to make my mark on things and so and also being an interior designer is kind of the next nice fun step to have your actual products because one of the parts fun for me in my job is seeing the start to finish and if you have a product you kind of have a shorter time span because you get to see it right and um so um Perry Helderman who has worked for me for 12 years She's one of she's my best friend. we we call ourselves the dynamic duo. Um, we we partnered on that, and to give her something to give back, you know, for her to have her own thing too, and it was fun to do it with her. And we hand draw all of our patterns here in our Santa Monica studio. And um, we went from doing fabrics to doing ceramic tiles, um, and then we make dog beds, tea towels table runners, tablecloths, um, out of all of our fabrics. And we're also in the trade showroom here in Pacific Design Center.
0: That's amazing. So, so talk about the process of creating a product, like pick one, like a tile. Like how, what's the process from start to finish of doing that?
1: I love that you asked about the tile because mm-hmm. it's kind of a funny story. I, we were drawing one day and I came up and it's our pattern Stellar. And I was just drawing the pattern, and I was like, I love this pattern. Like, And I turned to Perry, and I was like, Perry, this would be an amazing ceramic tile. And she's like, it would. And so then I was like, well, we're going to make tile. And she's like, okay. <laughs> and I reached out to a couple of friends that do tile or sell tile, and I kind of just went into, like I talked about, you do one or two steps in front of you, and just kind of, you know, when you're passionate about it, you just find out about it, and you find out how to happen, make it happen for yourself. And so we did. And um, we make all of our tile now in Mexico, but we're actually looking to bring it to the US. Mm-hmm. So our tile's um, changing a little bit in terms of how we're making it, but we're really excited about it. We're doing some new blazes and like figuring out new processes of having it made here in the US.
2: And how long is the process from like start to finish if you come up with an idea for a product to actually see it in your hand, hold it in your hands?
1: It's funny, we do candles now, And I came up with that idea was like, we're just going to do candles. (laughs) So we started making, and that process probably took from us deciding to do it until one made maybe five
2: weeks.
1: (laughs) That's kind of a quick one though. Like the tiles probably took going back and forth and and making the colors right. And um, that probably took like three or four months.
0: And now are the products, um, you use them, I assume you use them in your design work, and do you sell them on your site? Are they available in retail outlets? What's the distribution?
1: We um, sell everything on our on our maplejude.com site, mm-hmm. and um, we have a few retail places, um, majority in California, that are listed on our site. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I mean, it's majority on our website we're trying to be more e-commerce
2: and you recently launched a lighting uh collection right so tell us about the inspiration behind that
1: very excited about that um it literally i was eating dinner by myself one evening at a restaurant and i started drawing on a napkin and i know it sounds so cliche but i was drawing on a napkin and i got really excited and and the whole inspiration for my first collection is puzzles and how like um puzzles fit together in the spaces between the shapes. And so I was just drawing them and um, came up with um, different designs. And then I talked to a vendor of mine that I've been working with on custom lighting for years and years and years, and we've decided to collaborate. Um, and it's been great. And um, one thing led to another, and I did, I did another collection called the Eclipse Collection, which is more about moons and celestial, um, objects and it's been really fun. And again, I just follow my heart and like something that I love to do, and I just put it out there and see where it takes me. But it's really fun.
0: <laughs> That's amazing. And do you have any other products in the work that you that you have in your head that haven't come come to fruition yet?
1: Yeah, I, I actually have a rug, um, a licensing deal with a rug company that I've been working on. Some rugs we're doing outdoor rugs. There's a lot of outdoor rugs right now, but and I use them in a lot of projects, but a lot of them are more just solid. They're not not a lot of patterns. And so I'm taking my hand-sketching look, like I do with maple, and I'm putting it into rugs. And so that's probably going to launch by the end of next year, 2024. And I also, on my drawing board, have furniture in mind. So I'm working on a few pieces of furniture that I hopefully will get a furniture collection going.
2: Wow. I love that you just... You have an idea and you go for it. It seems like you don't let anything stop you. Um, where do you think that comes from in you? Is that always been how you have operated?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't. I guess I just don't understand why it wouldn't work or why, why it's like planning a trip. Like I, I just go, okay, I'm going to go to. Europe, let's just figure it, let's just go. I mean, it's that kind of mentality or like feeling in your body where you're like, I'm gonna do this. I really wanna do this. This feels really good and exciting. So I'm gonna put it out there and make it happen for myself.
0: So I have a question as a designer, is is the HGTV home decorating DIY craze that is huge and has been for a long time now, is that a help or a hindrance to someone who's a designer?
1: It's funny. I think I've just, I mean, I've been doing this for a long time now. I've been on my own for 15 years and I had probably 10 years before that. And when it first was coming the craze and stuff, it was really kind of annoying to be honest, because it's like everybody can be that. But I mean, thanks to the internet, I think that's kind of happened with a lot of careers, right? Cause it's just opened our world. It's gotten so much bigger. And um, I also, I just, <laughs> so The HGTV was kind of annoying and I did start watching it because I was curious and I think it's interesting. I think it really versus people in different design, but I also think it hinders us because it makes it seem like it's so fast and there's just no way you can make a room happen that fast. So I think it gives people a false perception of like the timeline. So that makes it hard. People are really into watching HGTV, so it just really takes time for me to really educate my clients on the process and be just a good communicator on, you know, how it's going to happen, what to help manage their expectations of time.
0: And I assume they still, you know, I I was a graphic designer in my former profession long before the Passionistas project, um, and you know, with the advent of computers, it was like, oh, I have you know, I have Adobe Illustrator and I have Photoshop, so I'm a designer now. And it's like, no, you still need a certain taste level and a certain, you know, skills with color combinations and things like that. So I would assume you face that thing too, where everyone's like, oh, I can, you know, I know exactly what I want and I can pick things out, but they still need you for the the taste level and the aesthetic of it all, right?
1: Yeah. And I, I think there's so many of us out there, right? There's so many different designers, but I think we're there's enough work for everyone. And I think that you're going to be aligned with different clients that other designers aren't. I mean, that's why we're all different, right? And um, I think the really that's a total key part of being a really great designer is just having that aesthetic and understanding how it all works. Um, but it's also important. I mean, I kind of feel like I wear different hats during the day where I wear that hat, which is one hats, the aesthetic hat figuring out what's gonna look good and how. And then my other hat is like a therapy hat, right? To help people understand what it is, what do they want? And sometimes people are really in touch with that, and some people times they're not, you know? And um, hence why they hired someone like me. And then they also need someone that's very honest. Yes, it's gonna work, no, it's not gonna work, and this is why. And and I feel like it's more. But when i put that hat on the more, the more honest i am the more trust that my clients give me because they know i'll give them a no or or as well as i'll give them a the yes in the right situation
2: yeah since that was exactly the next question i was going to ask you is about the all the different roles <laughs> um having just remodeled a garage to be my office and and it's an emotional thing, you know, even just like going through your things and saying what you want to keep and what you want to get rid of. And um, so I can imagine that that's such a huge part of what you do. And, and also you kind of have to be a um, a financial advisor and controller too, right? Like there's a lot of responsibility to stay in budget and it's so easy once you start, designing and even just on a personal level, just like, oh, now I need to get pillows for the couch. And so, you know, the, the level of just management and accounting that you have to do must be incredibly intense.
1: It's interesting because one thing that I've learned over the years is that I spend one or two meetings just dreaming with my clients. It's really important that you don't start from a lack perspective. And I don't mean that by like, we gotta spend all this money. I mean it in like a dream perspective because you can't be in the money part of your brain and the dreamy creative part of your dream uh, mind at the same time. Impossible. And a lot of times clients stay in the money side, which of course uh, totally appropriate. But you also, to get ultimately what you want, you have to dream big and you have to evaluate and you have to think about those ideas of what you can what you want and then we take it from there and then we figure out the budgets and then we stage it sometimes we do one room at a time sometimes and I help prioritize with what they're going to get the most out of in terms of what I understand is important to them but it's very key we start in the dream place first and then we work through all the budget of course make it work for them
2: we're Amy and Nancy Harrington, and you're listening to the Passionistas Project podcast and our interview with Jen Dallas. To learn more about her interior design work, shop her Maple Jude products, and see her new lighting fixture lines, visit jendallas.com. Now here's more of our interview with Jen.
0: Do you work with contractors at well to as well to get everything done from start to finish?
1: Yeah, yeah I mean, my jobs are, um, you know, like more... Uh, new construction is usually with an architect or a builder. And um, and then there's different levels of jobs where it's more like, uh, let's just do a fixer-upper here or a clean-up here. And it might be a builder that suggests me. Or I also have all my own subs. So let's say a client comes to me and they're like, I just want to redo my countertops and a new backsplash. And I'd have the people, the tile people, the electricians, the plumbers, come and help um i've been in business long enough now that i have some really good trades that i trust that i know gets my aesthetic that i can just let them go and i know that they're going to do what i want which is really nice
2: that is so critical it's so hard to find people that you can really rely on and that you know you can bring in on the big jobs um so do you have like one or two success stories of homes that you worked on where you really feel like you'd maybe delivered even more than the person had anticipated in their dream, in their dream conversations with you?
1: Yeah, there's a couple. One I just finished here in Santa Monica. He has a very modern house. Very, very modern house. And um, he, uh, he's not a modern guy. And they chose this house, and he has always felt he likes it. You know, it's a a great house, but it's not aesthetic. It's not warm. You know, it's hard lines, hard materials. And one of my most passions of passions is I always call it the old new house because I love to take an old house or a new house and make it feel like it has character and make it feel like it has layers um, over time right I mean it's my favorite thing to do and um, he was just so perfect for me when I hired him that way like like, oh my god he totally gets it like I can do this <laughs> with this modern house so we did um, we essentially rearranged the walls in some bedrooms we renovated a bathroom and in the hall in the it's on the upper floor so the staircase it's like a two three-story house so when you come to the upper floor, which is really the main floor of the house, it had like half walls and glass guardrails, and um, and um, I put in wainscoting, painted wainscoting. So I kept it painted, so it feels fresh and clean still, but it's just got some warmth to it with a lot more wood in there than just drywall and glass. And uh, we remodeled the bathroom, which was very more for lack of a better word, Ikea with just like really, you know, <laughs> clean, straight lines and box vanity and, you know, and glass, a lot of glass. And I did tile and I did beautiful white tile with blue keystones. And we did a waistcoat in there too, this white and sax tile. And we did, but I, we he found an old mirror in his trip to New York from the Flatiron building, this copper, um, and so just the juxtaposition of the old and the new, which I love. And it just helped make this modern house feel so much better, you know, just having these layers to it. And he's so happy. He loves it. And, um, and then at the very end of the project, which I thought we were done, I, I, I had found this old window and, um, and I suggested we add it. Um, there was this half wall that starts the family room portion of the house And I, it's just above the staircase and I added it. So it enclosed the room more. So it wasn't this huge open floor plan anymore. And again, creating these more intimate spaces out of a big, large, modern floor plan and he loves it. And it was such a fun thing that he was like, yeah, do it. So I got to do it. He still loves it. He's very appreciative of it, but I think it really gave him a house he loves.
2: It's so interesting talking about HGTV earlier. I think that's the great curse of HGTV is that it has encouraged everybody to, to do open floor plans. And I think those are lovely when they are appropriate. But I also have heard that during COVID, a lot of people started to put walls back up because now everybody was working from home and they needed their space. So I love I love that idea of designing to also close off and give... People the, the dedicated spaces that they need.
1: Yeah, and I think everybody's different with what they require and what they want. But I think majority of my clients they'll come to me with plans that are you know like these floor plans, and I'll look at them, and sometimes the spaces just don't feel livable. They feel too big, or there's not how do you furnish it? How do you add the wall window coverings? You know and so I think that's why there's such a great layer of having a designer on board because we look, we just have different things we're focused on, you know, and and I think that's one of the keys of being a good designer is just helping someone live in their new spaces and kind of figure out how they're going to use them.
0: So what would you say was, um, has been your biggest professional challenge and how
1: did you overcome it? Or maybe I just keep, maybe it's still a challenge. <laughs> um, What's my biggest challenge? Uh, I think one of the biggest challenges is um, just the... I think it's very key when you buy upholstery or you buy any kind of furniture that people sit in it. You sit in it, you sit in it, and you sit in it, and you really experience it. Don't buy it off the internet. It might be super simple to do, and easy to do. And during COVID, I think we all were like, I don't know "What other choice we had? We couldn't go to anywhere, right?" But I really, really encourage my clients to sit in everything and try them out. And even when I do custom furniture, I do sit tests. Like I let people sit on them. We just do it with muslin. We don't do the final upholstery. And we let people sit on it. So I think one of my biggest challenges is people wanting to buy things quick and wanting to buy, you know, things off the internet and not having seen it. And even when you look at the scale and lighting stuff, sometimes it's just huge. You know, it's, it doesn't represent, the pictures don't represent. It can look this big, but it's really this big. So scale is big for me. And I think a lot of times when you, or comfort, and a lot of times when you buy things online, you're you're not tapping into those parts that are really key to the success of it being implemented into your home.
2: How about you? What's your own personal piece of furniture that you love the most in your house that you kind of sink into at the end of a long day
1: um it's my sectional in my tv room it's i love it so much i just like curl up in it it's just key that you have a comfortable sofa you know and it could cost a little more money it's not you know but it's worth it because i think um you know in terms of just wearability and um sustainable you know, pieces to be able to reupholster it later, because you know, you bought a key piece that'll last. I think that's, that's, I feel responsible for that. Like, I really want to be better about that. And not just throwing in a landfill.
0: We've, we've mentioned COVID a few
1: times. How did that affect your business? I was the busiest I've ever been during COVID. And I think it's because we were all home. And we had time we had the bandwidth to think about like our design projects and stuff and i just had the best time <laughs> like i was so busy and i had a great time and i got to like really fulfill um some good um, solutions for people that we've been talking and talking and talking trying to do it and then they just nailed it um so it was fun it was actually a great busy time for me. I think a lot, I've talked to a lot of designers because I'm friends with, you know, we talked a lot and um, it was very much that way, I think, across the board. Do you
2: have a dream project that you wish someone would come to you with a castle and ask you to, you know, like, is there anything like that that you just would love to do someday?
1: I love, um, and I've had the opportunity to do a couple. Um, I love larger properties with acreage and whether it's an old home that we renovate, and then we add other buildings. Um, I did. I worked on a project for about eight years in Lexington, Kentucky. We renovated the guest house, and then we built a brand new home for the client. And then we renovated a barn, and we did a couple of new barns and a party barn and greenhouse. And it was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. Um, and uh, I started another one here in Solvang, California. And those are the, whole, those are the jobs I absolutely love. And I excel at cause I, I can, see, I'm a big picture person. So I can see it all and how all the buildings are being used and implemented. And I've had a lot of experience with it now. And so I'm kind of waiting for the next one. Um, but I also, I mean, nothing's too small for me too, with the right client. I have clients that I love that I've touched every part of their home. And they come back, whether they get a new home or they have a life change and they have a new baby and they need to renovate this or that. And I love those.
0: Who are some of your uh, design influences?
1: Um, there's over the years, I think I, there's Bunny Williams, Susan Kassler and um, Atlanta. Um, you know, I get my inspiration from architects you know like Frank Gary because I always loved how he was so like he's like all over the place but the, how he makes things work even though his materials are just outrageous just the inspiration from that I'm still really old school and I get probably 12 subscriptions to magazines and I still sit there at night and I go through my magazines I'm just a tangible like paper person <laughs> So I love the Pinterest, but for different reasons. Like I really like my magazine being a little bit. And I'm inspired by many designers that I see on the pages now.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: There's just so many now, you know, it's hard to name them all.
2: What advice would you go back and
1: give your younger self? To not take things so seriously, but no, everything always works out. You know, we think everything's like so serious when we're younger and the older I get, the more I'm more laid back about it. Know it all works out, and I think I would have, you know, a lot of anxiety would have been released early on if I would have just done that.
0: What's your dream for women?
1: My dream for women is that you know they just embrace who they are. They celebrate who they are. That um, we're we're heard. That we don't quiet ourselves. You know, and as I'm getting older too, that's been a blessing, you know, I would have talked to my younger self about too, not hold back, not be peace, not trying to keep peace. There's times where we need to be heard and we need to roar and we need to say, Hey, that's not right. That doesn't feel good or that, you know, it, I don't want that, you know, and there's been many times when I was a younger child, I was more, you know, keep the peace. Everything's going to be good. And and I think we're just nurturers that way and that we've always, you know, or at least I can speak for myself, kept the peace. And by speaking up, it's not that you're not keeping the peace. That's what I've learned. I'm just owning myself and taking care of myself.
2: Um, You mentioned earlier your collaborator and partner in the Maple and Jude um, yeah. line. What does that sisterhood that you have with her mean to you, and how do you think that collaboration with another woman has helped you professionally and personally? Oh, so
1: much. I mean, she's like my chosen sister, as you said, sisterhood. It's totally true. She's my chosen sister. She goes beyond she's chosen family. Um, we find it a great blessing every day that we get to hang out together, we get to lunch together, we get to run ideas by each other we we have our nose to the grindstone together getting it all done um but I think that we also just appreciate ourselves appreciate each other as people like we can just be people like today I'm tired today you know and we get it you know we're not trying to be everything every day you know like we can we're just patient with one another. We allow each other we allow each other to be ourselves. And um it's relaxing and it's just so nice when you have your own tribe that allows you just to be who you are when you find that. And she's definitely that for me. And um and we have a lot of fun. I mean we just have a really good time. We laugh all the time and we listen to music all the time. We chat about songs and art and you know, beauty products and <laughs> the gamut, you know, so it goes beyond
0: work. That's beautiful. I love that. I mean, Amy and I obviously have that, but we're actual sisters, <laughs> but that's what we love about the Passionistas project is we're trying to build that sisterhood between everyone in our community. So it's yeah. nice, nice to hear that, you know, women supporting women. We love it.
1: Um, it's fun because when I'm with Perry, I think we're stronger together. I think people are attracted are to it because they feel our energy together. and um, we get that a lot. And we, they, everybody thinks we're sisters and occasionally they think I'm her mother, which I don't like, but <laughs> it's okay. If, if I could be her mother, I would.
0: <laughs> yeah, we get that a lot. They, um, they, they, if they think we're twins. And no, Aww. we're just no, we're just sisters, but um, yeah, it's a beautiful, beautiful relationship, and it's great to have that support. And, and um, it'll be
1: lifelong. We'll be yeah. together forever. You know.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, what's your secret to a rewarding life? Ooh,
1: that's a good question. <laughs> um, I think, I think ultimately for me, it's just to be present. It's about being in the moment, not thinking too far past towards the past, not thinking too far ahead. We can get joy in both, right? But just being present and enjoying your life in this moment is huge for me. It's huge. And just, I'm an optimist. Um, and so I find just great joy in the smaller things. And I think that brings me a lot of happiness and just being appreciative of the small things, whether it's, you know, the way the iced tea tastes today to, you know, the sun's out to, you know, I think that appreciation in the little things and then just being present in the now are huge.
2: When you find that you slip from that, do you have any tricks that you use to get yourself back into that positive space?
1: Um, when I slip from that, I allow myself to be slip. I'm like, okay, I've slipped. I'm feeling, you know, and, you know, I have this joke with my son and now he's starting to say it, but um, there's something truth about faking um, it till you make it, right? And there'll be moments where, you know, and I'm not saying I ignore my feelings. I am all about feelings and and going through them and going through the motions and making sure you're okay and all of that but you get to a point where you're like okay I, I i'm sad about this or i'm angry about this and you just gotta let it go it's you gotta move on from it because otherwise you'll just stick you'll, you'll your brain will just spin on it and you'll your monkey mind will have a great day with it but you'll feel horrible So, a huge step in learning to take care of myself and self care is just a lot, you know, going, okay, I'm gonna allow myself to be upset about this for X amount, a day, 10 minutes, or whatever it is, and then move on, you know, because there's a lot of things we have no control over anyway, right? But I tease my son about it because I'll say, there's also something about if you're upset about something and I can't let it go, if I'm angry or whatever, I'll say, I'm gonna run over the block. And there's something about physical activity, about like shifting and changing your physical energy that really helps lift you out of that too. So I always experiment with that.
2: It's like the moving the furniture, right? shifting. Anyway. <laughs>
1: yeah, it is. But it works.
0: Do you have a mantra that you live by?
1: Yeah, you are where you want to be. And. It's so true. If we just take responsibility for where we are, where we how we feel, where we are, our circumstance, we'd be a lot better off because we would shift, we would change, we would make better choices if we just take responsibility instead of looking out there, check in with ourselves. What's your
2: definition of success?
1: Success for me, you know, going back to my whole thought process about being present and in the now is ultimately is that, I mean, and you know, now it sounds really simple, but I think I get the most out of my life when I'm just present in each day. And I take each day as they come not to get preachy. Um, but just to be in those moments, you know, and to have that freedom of mind where you're clear and you're okay. Cause you've taken care of yourself. You've done what you needed to do. You know, the days that clear, that clarity of mind, to me, is a success for me. Like just being able to know I'm good, and everybody I love and cared for is good, and you know, have good work to do, just like that. Does it make sense?
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Love that. Um, what's your proudest career achievement?
1: Um, I'd have to say starting my own thing, starting my own studio is my proudest. Um, I have a, I have a couple other ones with, you know, the product lines and things. But I think my proudest moment is I just went for it and I did it. I always tell my son that he was my good luck charm. He's the one that pushed me to do it. And it it was that life change that made me push to do it. I'm just so grateful that I did it.
2: Why was that moment the defining moment for you to start the business? Did you want more flexibility?
1: I loved who I was working for and I loved where I was working. Um, but I wanted freedom. You know, I thought I would always be that person that would, you know, work even though I had a baby. And, but you see that face, you fall in love with this little person, and, you're, and I was like, oh, I can't leave him. I, I, wanna, I wanna stay home with him. I wanted my flexibility. And, and hence, I started the studio.
0: What advice would you give to a young woman who wants to follow her passions and go out on her own?
1: I would, uh, I mean, I think that a big part of helping me do that was from the time I stopped, when it's time I was in college, I learned everything I could about the business. I worked in drapery workrooms, to furniture stores, to for, for, um, furniture reps, to tile shops. Like I learned the business, like all the different avenues you can go. And that really helped. You know, it's just like building that that experience. Um, and that just gives you so many different opportunities because then you also know a lot of people and it helps you build and get different jobs and you never know how all that's going to add up for you. Um, and I just, I always say, just follow your heart. Like if that's on you and you're an entrepreneur and you know it and this is what you're called to do, then there's a reason why you were given that. There's a reason why you feel that way. Um, and don't spite yourself, you know, do it because there's a reason why you have that.
2: So one last question for fun. Um, if you could pick one woman in history or a female pop culture icon and walk in her
1: shoes for one day, who would you choose and why?
0: Thanks for listening to the Passionistas Project podcast and our interview with Jen Dallas. To learn more about her interior design work, shop her Maple Jude products, and see her new line of lighting fixtures, visit jendallas.com. And be sure to visit thepassionistasproject.com to sign up for our mailing list, find all the ways you can follow us on social media, and join our sisterhood of women coming together to explore their passions and find their purpose. We'll be back next week with another passionista who is defining success on her own terms and breaking down the barriers for herself and women everywhere. Until then, stay well and stay passionate.